Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. This series we've been talking about, the first week we talked about the big C, the big church. We brought it into our weekly gathering. And, um, and so I'm excited to share this week on part four. And we're going to talk this week about how every player has a position. Um, you know, I love this time of year. I'm a football guy. I love to watch football. Um, I love to watch, you know, you know, either Notre Dame was really bad yesterday or Michigan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or either Michigan really did really good. You know what? Just because we love Jesus and we have grace, give our Michigan fans a good hand clap. Come on, come on. Don't come on. Don't be religious. You bunch of un bunch of golly. Oh man. I'm I'm trying, bro. I'm sorry, man. He's like, thanks for calling me out again. I'm coming to your house to watch Michigan because you make those ribs. You've been doing those stories and stuff on how to make the ribs. I'll come watch Michigan and just eat the ribs with you. Um, but anyhow, um, sorry, had to get off on that. But I love football. I love to watch it. It's fun. Uh, great games yesterday. But um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to talk about how, how every player has a position. Listen, it's important for you to know your position in the body. Um, in the church, in the body of Christ, because, you know, if you're out of alignment in your position, you're going to be frustrated. How many know if you have an offensive lineman trying to be the quarterback, there's going to be some confusion on the team? Um, The nose guard yesterday from LSU, that dude was 330 pounds. Can you see him behind the center? Underneath there, 330 pounds behind him. No, he has a position. It's nose guard. We don't want you as quarterback. And, and it's, what happens is, is when we get out of position, it creates frustration for us. If we don't know our position, if we don't know who we are in Christ, if we don't know God's plan for us as in our position in Christ, then it can become a very frustrating journey. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, it says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, I'm going to describe to you my job as your pastor. He says that God gave gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, this is, a, this is a, what they call the five-fold ministry gifts. It's gifts for the ministry, for the body. And here's, here's the, my responsibility for you as the pastor. He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. My job is to equip you. My job is not to do everything. I know that's old school for some people. The pastor should be doing everything, not this guy. (laughs) We have a great team around us. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church and the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we, be, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. My job is to help you grow up. Boy, boy, boy. It says that we would no longer be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Uh, we will not, I won't get into that right now. That's a long talk. So we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Everybody say special work. Own special work. You do your part. Listen what happens. It helps the other parts grow. So when you do your part, somebody else is going to grow. It helps us as we connect together. It says so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, this is God's plan for us and the position that he has for us. But the goal here is the context of this Ephesians chapter 4 has to do with maturity. It has to do with growing. It has to do with growing into your position, understanding what God has for your life. And so I'm going to answer some what, how, whys this morning as we've been talking about those sorts of things over the last few weeks. So the, f- the first question is this, why is spiritual maturity important for me? Why does it even matter? Why should I even grow? Why should I make an attempt to have, uh, other than a prayer that I prayed one day where I said yes to Christ, why should I even grow spiritually? Why should I grow in maturity? Well, verse 13 says this, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Listen to me, God's plan for you is maturity. God's plan is that you would grow. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says this, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. See, the true mark of immaturity is whether or not you're still acting like a baby. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a length of how long you've been saved either. I know 25-year-olds that are still sucking on the bottle, that have been saved for 25 years, been a part of the church for 35 years. I've been in the church for 35 years, still sucking on milk. Hold on a second. Here's, here, here, we're going to get into this. But he says that the goal is that you would put away childish things. How many of you had to teach your child to be a child? No, you didn't have to teach your child to be a child. That's that sin nature in them. When they come up out of that womb, they come out, listen, nobody had to, how many had to teach your kids to say no? Uh, We prefer you say no instead of yes all the time. No. This is another one of childish behavior that you see in kids today and, and, and for centuries is Have somebody try to take your kid's toy. Do you think your kids walk in the love of God and go, you know what? This is your Tonka truck. I apologize. Here you go. No, no. They go, mine, mine, mine. That's what they say. Childish behavior. As a child, selfishness is at the forefront. Children fight over little things. Did you hear how loud it was this morning? Child behavior. Listen, let me keep going. Whining when not getting your way. How about that in your marriage? Whining when you're not getting your way. Well, I dare her to do that. I'm just going to close off and I'm not going to talk to her ever again. It's a bunch of babies. Whining, complaining. You need corrected. As a child, you need corrected and disciplined because you don't know the full understanding of right and wrong. Right? You, you, your goal of correction is discipline your kids is to teach them right and wrong. You know, don't, burn, don't put your hand on the stove. It's hot. What do kids do? Like you tell them not to do it, and then they do it. It's the same way. And then you correct them. You discipline them. You teach them. 
spiritual childish behavior is the same way. If you find yourself complaining, murmuring, fighting over little things, whining, constantly selfish, oh, they'll never get me to serve up there. Oh, I ain't going to be serving. No, I ain't serving. You're a baby. And my job as your pastor is to change your poo-poo diapers. That's my job, is to help you to where, where now you're not whining so much. I, I didn't get my way. Well, you're a baby. See, Paul says it this way. Paul says, when I became mature or when I grew up, I put away childish behavior. This word put away means to abolish. It literally means to reduce to inactivity. That you no longer, as a mature Christian in the Lord, coming and following God at a different level, you no longer act like a child. You no longer deal with mind issues. You no longer deal with no issues. You start to think upon, your, upon God, and the Bible says that we prefer others beyond ourselves. We become true servants in the body of Christ. We become servant leaders. We become, we become those that would step into God's purpose for our life. Instead of sitting on this grandstands on the sideline, coaching everybody. Look, I did it yesterday. If you would just run the football. I'm not the coach. I'm, a co I'm sitting in the chair trying to coach the coach. It doesn't happen, but that's what happens in the body. We sit in the stands trying to direct the game when God's call on your life is not to direct the game. Your job in your life is to get yourself dirty, get in the game, find your place, and get busy for Jesus. That's the goal. That's the goal, that you would grow. Some of you still get offended at the restaurant. Oh, let me keep going. Number one. Let me give you some God perspective on maturity. Maturity is not an option to God. It's not an option. It's not, oh, well, I want to grow, whether I don't want to go. God has a plan for your life, and he, he expects us as people to live in a posture of growth constantly, that we must pursue maturity. We must grow in the things of God. Number two is maturity is evidence that Christ is at work in you. It's maturity is, is evidence. It's evidence that Christ has worked in you, that is working in you. You know, uh, this whole thing with Kanye West, I'm sure I should probably talk about it at some point, but this whole thing about his new album and all this stuff, you don't know who that is and just don't worry about it. But, you know, you see it out there and the Bible says here, maturity is evidence that Christ is at work in you. But, but, but a lot of times, like here's the difference between Conway West, Kanye West and you is he told you in 2013 he thought he was God. And then Christ does the work in his heart. We don't know what that looks like yet. He releases an album, and now all of a sudden, here's the difference between you and Kanye, is we know his sin, we just don't know yours. Okay? So, so be careful. Don't judge quick. Be careful. We need fruits of repentance for sure. But Christ in us, there should be evidence we should be going, if this is really going on in the world today, where God is touching the people of influence, praise God. Go get them, Jesus. I was watching a documentary the other day about this dude that ran, uh, it was an ex-gang member named Preacher, and he was a Latin king, ran, killed, shot. I mean, it was a crazy documentary. 
He's now a pastor. Jesus has revolutionized his life, and he's back in the gang territory reaching people for Jesus. Listen to me. We can't be like, well, well evidence of a mature walk is praise God. Who cares what happened over here? God delivered him, set him free. Now he's baptizing people in the hood. The church has got to get rid of the judgmental mentality. We got to lose that. Maturity is evidence. What is evidence? You can see it. You can see it. You can see evidence of maturity, or you can see evidence of the lack of maturity. Evidence. There's two types there's immature and mature. Listen, one immature responds to the desires of the flesh, mature responds to God's word. God's word is supreme in your life, and you supply, you, 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 you position your life around God's word. The people that walk in immaturity are the people that are still trying to work this flesh thing out. See, because there should be evidence in decision making. There should be decision making evidence. There should be talk evidence. You should talk a different way. There should be decision-making evidence. There, there, there should be priority evidence. In other words, your behavior and the level of your maturity will show up in how you act. I put away childish behavior. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, I had to talk as through uh, though you belong to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. In other words, he was saying, listen, you can't, he was trying to, de- to describe the process. And listen, if you're still drinking milk, praise God, you're still in the family. But God wants you to get off the bottle. Come on, man, he's got a heavenly, butterfly, medium, well-done filet mignon for you. He has growth for you. He doesn't want you to stay the same way. Verse 3 says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. See, these are people that walk by the sinful flesh. You quarrel with one another. You, You whine. You complain. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Wow. Now, God's plan is that we be separate from the world. It doesn't say that we don't associate. It just says we don't have our lifestyle that way. Why? Because God wants us to live according to his word because there has to be a standard. When we live according to God's word, there is a standard by which we live. That's what the world needs. They need to see a church that has a standard, not that blends in, not that goes with the flow, not just does whatever it wants to do, but a maturing church that lays down the sinful nature that no longer has to be, that no has to, no longer being baby and childish in their behavior, no longer judging the world, but actually loving the world where they are and pulling them up out of their craziness. That's what the world needs. He says there's evidence. Jesus talked about evidence. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let let your light shine before others. That word let means give it permission. You have to give it permission. He says give light permission to shine before others, not that they may see you, but they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, mature people should be displaying fruits 
of good deeds that bring glorification to the Father. Let your light so shine. John 15, 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. You are the disciplined ones. There, this brings great glory to my Father. In other words, the goal of maturity is to bring glory to God. The goal of growth, personally, and finding your place and developing as a person is to bring glory to God. So, second question, what is required for me to mature spiritually? What's it going to take? Verse 14 says, then you will no longer be immature like children. How do we grow? How, how do we grow as a Christian? Number one, recognize the struggle. Recognize the struggle. I don't think you've been given correct information. Here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of people that think when they come to Jesus that it's going to be trouble-free from then on out. They think that when they come to God that it's going to be a bed of roses and we're going to tip those tiptoe through the tulips, and it's just going to be uh, rays of sunshine, and we'll never see a cloudy day again in our life. And I have to tell you, and burst your bubble, that's not Christianity. When you signed up for Christianity, you didn't sign up for, a, for an easy life. You signed up for war. God didn't drop you when you said yes into an incubator so you could grow. He put you in the middle of a war zone. And I think we've been given false information. We've been told that our life's going to be trouble-free. You say, Pastor, how do you know that we've been given false information? It's because I watch you walk through trouble. When trouble hits, what happens? Most of the time, people go, God, what are you doing? It's your fault, God. It's your fault, God. Wait a minute, man. When you signed up for it, you signed up for war. God told you that it's not going to be an easy fight. We, we did not... Okay, here's what happens, I believe, too, is that we add Jesus to our life. We don't fully surrender. We've been given false information. We think we're supposed to add Jesus to our life. You know, that's Hinduism. They have all sorts of gods, and then they add Jesus into their God list. There's not a full surrender to Jesus as head. Listen to me today. God wants you to fully surrender and understand that there is going to be a struggle. There is going to be this war. I'm going to read Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 22. He talks about in this passage, I want to do good, but I don't do good. I have the desire to do good, but I don't do good. Have you, you ever been there? Like you have a desire to do something right, but you always seem to do it the wrong way? This is the Apostle Paul. He's talking about this war. In verse 22, he says, For in my inner being, that's the place where you're saved. God delivers you. He said, that's what's brand new. He said, I delight in God's law. In here, in the inside of you is where you become a Christian, not here. This has got a lot of work. Your brain. You say yes to Christ. You enter a war zone. Your spirit becomes brand new. You become what John 3 says, born again. Then he says this, he says, in that place I delight to do God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. In other words, there is a struggle here. There is a struggle to live from the inside place where Jesus has set us free, and the battle is between what's brand new and what's being renewed. See, he says it's fighting from the mental state. You have to recognize that the 
that the struggle is always going to be between your old value system and your new value system. There's going to be tension between those two places. Listen to what he says, though, in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God. In the middle of the struggle, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me, come on, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, you must recognize the struggle, that you must contend for spiritual maturity. Everything wants to keep you small. Everything in the culture wants to keep you where you're at. God's plan is that you would grow. Paul was reminding the Romans, he was saying, listen, or the, writing, or the, the writer of Romans was saying, you've had an old way of living, now you have a new opportunity. You will have a war against those two things. How do you win? Thanks be to God who delivers me. Thanks be to God who delivered me from sin. Galatians 5, 17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So you have a crossroads. This is where the cross happens in your life. You have God's plan and your plan. You have your old ways, your old value systems, and then you have God's. The place of death is the place of the surrendered life. When you say, it's not my will, but your will be done, all of a sudden you crucify the sinful desire with God's word, and all of a sudden now you start to grow. You start to make choices that lead to growth. So why the struggle? Here's the struggle. This, is, this should be exciting for you. You know why you're struggling. You know why there is resistance. It's because you're becoming valuable to God's plan. You are becoming valuable to God's plan. You are becoming his expression on the earth. And listen to me, culture, religion, and the enemy doesn't like it. What happens is, is when you recognize the struggle... And you understand why it's there is because you're becoming valuable in God's plan in the earth. You're starting to recognize it. You're starting to pay attention to it. Listen to me. If you don't have anything going on in your life that's opposite to God's plan, you're probably walking in the same direction of your enemy. You're holding his hand through life when you're supposed to be going against the grain. Come on, somebody. You ever rub a cat backwards? How many know that cat hates rubbing backwards? When you go against the grain, all of a sudden the enemy doesn't like that. And you start to walk with God, and you recognize that I'm coming against principalities and powers, that I'm coming against an enemy of my mind, that, that all of a sudden I'm recognizing this struggle. That, see, because when you recognize the struggle, you begin to up, up, uh, make clear the plans of the enemy. What he wants to do is keep you in the dark. So how do we do this? Number two, number two, deconstruct those thoughts, perspectives, and worldly views which support and supply oxygen to your old sinful nature. De deconstruct those thoughts, perspective, and worldly views which support and supply oxygen to your old sinful nature. I heard Patrick was telling a story that he was coming out of his house and uh, he came out of his house, and this bird attacked him. And he walked out of the house, and this bird started flying at him. And he, he said, the neighbors thought, oh, God, what's going on over there? And he's over there. He's, he's trying to deal with the bird, and the bird's attacking his head. And he's trying to get the bird out of there. And so finally he made it to his car without getting pecked to death. 
And then uh, he came home, and then the next morning he goes out the front door to go to his car. Man, that bird is there. He, start, he walks out the front door. That bird starts coming at him, starts pecking at him, starts going at him. He's out there trying to fight this bird off. I don't know if you like birds, but I can't stand them. And they start coming at you, and you start freaking out. And then so he went to work, came back next time. Then the third time, next morning he comes out. He, he's fighting that bird off every morning, three days in a row, he's fighting that bird off. He said he came home from work one day, and he looked up, and in his light by his front door was a nest. And he thought, okay. That's why that bird's attacking me is because I'm, I'm violating its environment. I'm bringing a little bit of unsettledness to the birdies. So what he said is he had to go deconstruct the nest. So he got up and he took the nest down. There was no babies or eggs in it. He, he, he took the, the nest down and he deconstructed the nest and the bird went away. In other words, you can... I, our professor told us this way. He said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. In other words, to deconstruct, if that bird, that bird was finding nourishment, that bird was finding home, that bird was finding security in that nest, when he deconstructed the nest, the bird automatically left. When you deconstruct the thoughts that are contrary to God's word in your life, and you start to take God's word and deconstruct the thoughts and, and the things which are fueling the sinful nature, and you take God's word and you begin to operate in God's word and deconstruct the thoughts, all of a sudden your sinful nature will stop breathing and you'll start to grow. You'll start to become all God has for your life. See, there's two attitudes. B is there's religious attitude towards sins of omission. Sins of omission are this, things you should do but don't do. Prayer. You know you should do it, but you don't do it. That's a sin of omission. Worship. I know I'm supposed to do it, but I don't do it. That's a religious attitude, okay? Next is tolerant. What kind of thoughts? Tolerant attitude towards sins of commission. And here's what that is. That is, that is things you know you shouldn't do, but you do them anyway. And what you're doing, a lot of times in our society, what's happening in the church is we're living off this grace message way too much. We're using this as a crutch way too much. Well, I can do whatever I want to do, and God's going to forgive me. That's not Bible. See, you can't just take grace and hang on to it. Well, I can go out here and do my thing and then come over here and live this way and come back over here and I can, I can have my cake and eat it too. It doesn't work that way. Grace is, you know what grace is? Grace is not helping you to cover something. Grace is helping you overcome something. Grace is empowerment. Grace is God gives you grace to overcome the desires of the flesh and the sinful nature. And when he does that and grace comes on your life, then all of a sudden you're overcoming sin. You're not yielding to it. You're not giving in to it. So don't tolerate those things. The word tolerate means this, showing willingness to allow the existence of opinions. You know, uh, how many's ever had a stray cat come to your back door? And, and you know, I'm not a cat guy. So if you're a cat, lady, man, bless you. Um, but my mom used to, she would have stray cats that would come to the house and, and we didn't need any more cats. We, I didn't want any more cats. She loved cats. I could care less about cats. And so, you know, when a stray cat comes to your back door, you can either entertain that stray cat. You know, you look at it and you feel bad for it. Oh, dear, you're a little kitty getting to be out here in the cold tonight. And then you walk out. You could either ignore that or you can walk over and go outside and be like, oh, kitty. 
Kitty, 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 kitty. And then you go into the house. I'll be right there back, kitty. I'm going to go get some milk. And that cat's going, I got this lady all tricked into my plan right now. Here it is. She go in and get some milk. Warm milk. You go outside. Put the warm milk to the kitty cat. Kitty cat loves it. Gets its fill. Leaves. Okay? Then the kitty cat comes back. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? It's so cold outside. Hey, kitty, 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 kitty. You need to drink that milk inside. So you bring that stray cat inside to your house. And now you, that cat is sitting there, and you brought the milk in. Now the cat's in your living room. And then you try to get the cat out. How, does the, how many know the cat doesn't want to go anywhere? The cat doesn't want to leave, but you're the one that invited the cat into the house. The cat don't want to leave, but the cat, come, but the cat you got to get the cat. How are you going to get the cat out? you got to stop giving the cat milk. And so the cat starts eat, drinking the milk, and now the cat's sitting at your dinner table <laughs> That's nine lives looking at you. When it once used to be a stray cat. You know what you do with stray cats? You walk out the back door and you pretend like, oh, bow. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Those of you that are cat lovers on television, I love you. The point is, the point is, I'm joking. Please hear me, dear Lord Jesus. I can just see it now, emails. You're not a cat lover. God bless you. But the point is, is this is that whatever you entertain and feed will remain. So if you constantly are entertaining the thoughts that aren't supposed to be there, they're going to remain. But when you start to entertain a different thought, and you start to entertain a different thought, and you invite that into your house, all of a sudden you start to grow. You start to deconstruct the thoughts that paralyze you. Number three is this. How do we grow? Embrace the change required to mature your faith. Embrace. To embrace. To embrace. Kyle, stand up real quick. Come on up here. Come on, give it up for Kyle. Come on up here. This is going to be real simple. This guy calls me on Wednesdays most of the time. And just, hump day, yes. Calls me and just wants to check in and see how I'm doing. Okay? So to embrace, okay, this is not embracing. You stand right there, Kyle. Okay, I love you, man. Love you. I love you. CC might play me. I'm out and play with me. This is that's not embracing. And this is what we do with God's word. This this is what we do with change. Anytime change gets close. Oh no, I don't know. That doesn't look no. No, that doesn't no, that doesn't feel right. No. No, 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 no. I don't know if I can. And and change is trying to help you. Change is trying to deliver you. Change is trying to set you free. And so what God, if you're going to change and you're going to embrace the change that is required, you're going to have to embrace. Oh. You're going to have to embrace. Smell good. Praise God. You have to embrace. You have to love. You have to embrace. You have to, you have to bring it in. Bring it in. Okay? You have to. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Give it up for Kyle. Thank you. When change comes, you can't keep creating a barrier through fear. Oh, no. No, no. Change wants to get into my business. <laughs> I'm going to get as far as I, way, as I can. Let me caution you about something. Whatever you run from, you will eventually run into. See, we must embrace change. We, 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 listen, good intentions does not create spiritual maturity. No different than my good intentions getting up on a Monday. <laughs> I'll be very vulnerable with you. I'm going to the gym in January, we all have good intentions, right? But by January 31, our memberships are no longer useful. <laughs> we have good intentions. I love this quote 
Good intentions are useless unless they are expressed in appropriate action. We have intentions, but we don't embrace. I intend to do something, but I'm going to intend, I'm going to, I'm going to intend to do it on my own time frame, on my own desire, instead of embracing it. Listen, it cannot, faith, God's word, cannot change you apart from embracing it. Samuel Johnson said it this way, hell is paved with good intentions. This change starts with I. Everybody say I. There's four things with I, and I'm closing. Number one is this, inconvenient. If you're going to embrace change, you must understand that if you're going to mature in your faith, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be something that must be done intentionally, and it might be inconvenient for you. You can stay the way you are or grow into the position and the purpose that God has for you in the body of Christ, but you have to understand, let me be very clear, it's going to inconvenient you. It's going to mess with your schedule. It's going to mess with your money. It's going to mess with your time. It's going to mess with your relationships because it's going to inconvenient you. Number two is this, if you're going to embrace change, you have to deal with the I factor. If you're going to embrace change, you must understand the I factor. Here's the I factor. Everything in life revolves around you. If you're going to embrace change and grow in the things that God has for you, listen, here's why the I factor takes place. Is this happens when I don't realize I was created for God's plan, not God's game plan was created for me. I'm going to say it again. You realize the I factor goes down and you, and, you, and you put the I factor out when you realize that God's plan was not created for me, but that God's game plan, that, that, it's, that it's not about that God created, let me say it like this. I was created for God's game plan, not that God's game plan was created for me. Number three is this, insecurity. Insecurity is the fear that the effort and the change that you put in is not going to yield different results. That's a trick of the enemy. Well, if I put all this time in, am I going to be the same? Listen, I've done marriage counseling for a lot of years, and this is the number one thing that people say. Will he ever be different? Is it worth putting the work in for him to be different or for me to be different? The only way marriages get healthy is you stop quit looking at your partner and start looking at yourself. That's a little side note, a little marriage counseling. That's it. Insecurity. And number four is ignorance. The change starts with I. Ignorance. Here's what I mean by ignorance. We just don't realize the benefit of change. Nor do we realize the result of staying the same. We don't realize the benefit of change, and we don't realize the benefit of staying the same. What's at stake with you not, with you not changing? What's at stake if you don't get over those things? Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior of this world and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, you will learn to know God's will for you, his purpose, his plan, his position for you. 
which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How do you get there? Verse 15 says this, instead we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. How do you get spiritually mature? Embrace the truth that's been given in love. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about 66 books in your Bible where God spoke the truth to you in love with the desire that you would grow up, with the desire that you would no longer be captivated by the sinful nature. Today, people's gonna make a decision to be water baptized. You know, I created this thing called the path to give you some next steps to help you grow. Some of you are just starting this journey out and the first thing that we put up, I wanna go ahead and throw this, this slide up for me. Just put the whole slide up, please. The first, the first thing is fresh start. I created 10 videos online. You can go to that website, should be in your notes. You can go to that website, it's about five to six minutes and just gives you foundation. Just lets you go in to give you foundation. You can watch those online, take notes to begin this, this path of maturity. Secondly, be water baptized. This is no order, be baptized. Today we're being, today folks will say yes to be baptized. Some of you in this room, you're like, man, I need to be baptized, but I didn't come prepared today. I already got you covered. I got shirts for you. I got shorts for you. I got t-shirts for you. I got everything. I got towels for you. I got what you need to be baptized today. So you're not, you're, you're not, you're not, uh, uh, you're not making excuses today. Starting point. That's where you learn about the church, how to get involved. November 3rd, we have small groups. Listen, I know this is stuff that people, well, I don't know if I can get into this stuff. Listen, then stay the same. We're helping you with a path that will help you. Give back is another one. Serve. Serve. Give financially. Serve. Give. Give back. And finally, I think mentor. What's that mean? Take someone with you. Listen, you've been in the church for 25 years and haven't taken anybody to the next step yet. Then you're still a baby. It's time to grow up. It's time to quit sitting around whining and complaining about stuff. It's time for you to grab somebody by the hand and say, listen, here's the deal. God has great plans for you. Listen, if we have to sit down and watch these videos ourselves together, let's do it. But I'm taking somebody on this next step with me because I'm not going to stay the same and I don't desire that somebody else stay the same. I'm going to take somebody with you on your next step. Do something. Make a decision today to do something. Make a decision today to not stay the same. Make a decision today to get over yourself. Throw away, render inactive childish ways and grow in your position, purpose, and things God has for you. In Jesus' name. Let's close our eyes this morning. If you're in this place today, and you say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life today. You're talking about this, this fresh start. I need a fresh start. I need to come to know God. I've not met him. Or maybe you've backslid from God. Listen to me. There's no judgment here. All of us are in the same spot. We've all had to say yes. There are some in this room that haven't. There are some in this room that need to make that decision today. And you want to say yes to Christ. Know that he died for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe would not perish, or whoever would believe would not perish, but, but, but if you would believe, you would have everlasting life. Listen, I'm not gonna play. Listen, when you say yes to Christ, you're being put into a war, so be prepared. 
will help you through this. You're not gonna be a lonely soldier out on the battlefield. That's why we wanna grab your hand and walk you through some of this stuff that you're dealing with, some of the stuff that you're, that, you're, that you're fighting against, some of the stuff that needs to be laid down. If in this place you say, Jason, I need to make a decision to say yes to Christ, we just raise up your hand. I'm not gonna call you for it, but I'd like to see your hand. You say, I need to come home to God. I need to make a fresh choice to say yes to Christ today. I need to say yes to Jesus. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Right where you're at, if you raised your hand, we're gonna pray for you right now. And I believe in this prayer, in this moment, God's gonna revolutionize your life. Today is your day. Today is your day. You came, you came for such a time as this. The crossroad of your life is right now. God's gonna change you. He's gonna revolutionize you. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those that have raised their hands to say yes to you. I pray, God, today that their lives would never be the same again. That today, Lord, that their life would transfer from darkness to light. And today, Lord, as they begin this journey or come back, God, on this path, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, you revolutionize them. You change them. And so, God, we thank you for freedom today. Can we all pray together this prayer with these that have raised their hands? Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin to take my place. Thank you today. It is finished. And today, I accept you into my heart. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. Old things pass away and all things become new. Today, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can't they, look, there's a couple people said yes to Christ today. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hey, come on. The Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing. Now, praise God. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to be water baptized, that's the next step. You're like, dude, I'm crazy today, dude. I gave my heart to Christ. I want to be water baptized. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, I want to be baptized, but I've never been water baptized. And you say, Jason, I want to be baptized. Will you do me a favor? Will you raise up your hand for me? You've never been baptized. I want to be baptized today. Come on, no shame in the game. Come on, that's your next step. Anybody? Anybody at all? Come on, going once, going twice. Watching, going once, going twice, going twice. You want to be water baptized today? Come on, man. Anybody else? Come on, we have people signed up, but anybody else want to go? Go on once, go on twice. Okay, all right, no pressure. All right, so uh, uh, go see Teddy right here. Teddy, raise your hand. Help her. Come on, give her, give her some T-shirts, some shorts. Come on, somebody. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Don't forget, um, uh, on your way out uh, after we baptize, we're going to go right out this door here. And I do want to, I want to give you a report. You ready? You ready? 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 Praise God, we had, because of you, generosity, 748 pairs of socks came in for October. Come on, somebody, 748 pairs of socks. Woo! Socktober, baby. And so, anyhow, um, uh, thank you for your generosity. We're gonna get those to the right people to get them to the hands of those that need them, amen. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna open the curtain. 
Those of you that don't have kids, come make your way out back. Uh, those of you that have kids, grab your kids and uh, make your way out back. We're going to celebrate. Those of you that need to change, please change for water baptism, and uh, uh, we'll, get, we'll get started, okay? All right? All right, God bless you. Have a, have a great day, everybody. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.